What is going on, everybody? It's Thea Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Today, we are sitting down with Seth Dahl, and I jokingly call this one of the most, if not the most, highly anticipated interviews of the podcast. Main reason is because probably about a year ago, I interviewed Seth. I had just met him at a live event, was really impacted by his teachings, and was like, bro, please come on my podcast. He had such a good message that I wanted you guys to hear. And so, um, you know, it took a little bit of time to coordinate schedules. He's a really busy guy. He travels a lot. And we finally got it set up, uh, recorded the interview, and his connection wasn't great, but I guess I didn't realize it or I was just, you know, really enjoying the conversation or I maybe I thought just that we could salvage it somehow. I definitely made the mistake. And at the end, um, you know, anyways, we finished the recording. I was like, thanks so much. And then um, my my editor, Anne, she started looking at it and she was like, oh, Sophia, there's no way we can use this. It was just unusable. The, the audio was so bad. And so I had to let him know like, hey, man, so sorry. Unfortunately, we couldn't use it. Let's set up another time. And uh, I guess time just got away on us and it's taken us forever to finally reach this point where we could do it again. <clears throat> Excuse me. So anyway, we finally sat down and got a killer interview. I'm really excited to share it with you. So here's the deal. You know, we we understand that Part of the reason we struggle with porn has something to do with parts of our past, right? Parent relationships, uh, childhood experiences, et cetera, et cetera. And most of you, whether you're single, whether you're married, or whether you are actually a parent listening to this podcast, you probably don't want to pass along this sin or these these issues to your offspring. I, w- I would just take a random guess. And so the goal of this podcast episode and the reason I brought Seth on is because he has a history of addiction. This guy was like hooked on meth and coke and like really hard drugs. He got delivered and he got set free and now he coaches people to parent their kids. And so he he is literally the expert at like changing your entire generational lineage in the context of addictions. Very practical. He has some teachings that I've never heard anybody talk about before. And as a want-to-be father, I've done my share of listening to people teach about parenting because I want to learn now. He he's just he is unbelievable. And, and some of the stories he tells and some of these examples he gives are incredible. Uh, just wait till he talks about hassle time. Excuse me, hassle time. You guys are gonna love that. Um, that that in of itself is um, is just absolutely incredible. So he's a fountain of knowledge. There's a lot to learn from him, a lot to glean, and really, I I think um, we we do focus on parenting. But the honest truth is, regardless of what stage you're in, this is going to have relevance for you and your future life. So without further ado, guys, this is my interview with Seth Dahl. So here's the million dollar question: How are men like us who work hard? have good motives and a God-given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, I'm here with Seth Dahl, and this is maybe one of the most highly anticipated interviews I've done just because we did this one already, but uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to use the material from it, and so we're doing this again. Seth, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, it's so good to be here. I'm glad that our Wi-Fi is working, and we're going we're gonna to get this one. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, so you were the kids pastor at a uh, very well known church. I think most people would have heard of Bethel Church that are listening to uh, the podcast here, and you really have a passion for helping kids. But your your focus has kind of shifted the last little bit, where you realized, oh, I love helping kids, but maybe an even better way for you to do that is actually to help parents who are raising yeah. these kids um, or, and maybe, maybe it's not necessarily one or the other, it's both. And I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit about that transition, um, how you as a kid's pastor, what made you realize, Oh, I think I actually need to focus on the parents more than just the kids themselves. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a series of events that happened over a lot of time. You know, I had a friend in England, children's pastor friend. I was there with her and she's like, you know, I never pray for the for God to fill kids with the Holy Spirit. I teach the parents how to do it because I don't want to rob parents of that experience. I was like, wow. So that kind of threw me for a loop. And then um, I started having parents show up and we would say, hey, your kid prayed on the microphone today and said some really powerful stuff. And your kid was really good at hearing God. And And the parents would look at us like, what do you mean, my kid? I'm like, yeah, your kid. He does it often. And I started to realize like, oh, parents aren't, you know, my one friend was like, I equip parents to do some of the stuff that the church does. And and then I'm realizing like, oh, some of our parents don't know um, how to just steward some of this stuff with their own kids. And then, you know, the Lord started just showing me is like, Seth, you've you've worked with a lot of children's pastors, traveled around the planet helping children's pastors, but you've missed the most important pastors of all, the parents. And I was like, huh. oh, okay. And so I started to realize, you know, I wrestled for a while because I'm like, I know I'm called to work with kids. And if I go leave children's church, working in church all the time, am I going to be leaving my calling? Is kind of how I felt. And huh. the Lord just had to really work with me on that. And like, actually, if you work in the home, if you work with the parents, you know, who are with their kids much more than just a couple hours on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever, like, oh, you'll actually help kids more by helping their parents. And so I started yeah. moving that direction a few years ago. You know, God also was showing me like, hey, if what happens in church doesn't happen in the home, it's not Christianity. It's event-based huh. religion. That's the risk that you take. <laughs> wow. Christianity becomes something that we do at a certain time, at a certain day of the week, not someone we are. And Christianity is not supposed to be just what we do. Of course, it's something we do as an expression of who we are. But if it's something we do and not who we're living all the time, then something's wrong. And, it, you know, so I was like, oh, we got to get this in the homes. We got to do stuff with parents and help them. And so that's been the journey for the last few years. But that's, that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Um, and I, I guess maybe to contextualize this a little bit, like, you know, we have people listening who are struggling with pretty major issues, you know, sexual sin, porn addiction, uh, yeah. affairs and the whole like. And typically what happens when you go on this journey is you start to realize, oh, there were elements of my upbringing, the way my parents handled um, raising us that have in one way or another contributed. And we're not into the whole like uh, pissing on our parents and blaming them for everything. But admittedly, we're all, we become very aware in our adult years. Oh, wow, that was kind of strange that mom and dad did that or didn't do that or whatever it might be. Yeah. And so a lot of listeners are, number one, they're aware of that dynamic, but number two, bound and determined to change things for their experiences now that they're parents or want to be parents one day and want to raise kids and want to do it better. Um, 
have you had that experience yourself? And I guess I'm curious because I think uh, a lot of the mistakes that people fall into, I certainly did this as like, oh, I'll never be like my dad or, you know, I'll never do that. And then, of course, we wind up yeah. repeating the sins of the fathers. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe we can start there. Just like how do people actually change things generationally when you've acknowledged like, okay, I know my parents didn't do things the way I want to. Um, I don't think some, I don't think it's always as simple as just saying, oh, I'll never be like that. And I'm going to do things differently. I, th I think something deeper has to take place at a heart level for us to really do that. But I guess I'm just curious, what do you think? And, and what does it look like for, for new parents or want to be parents to reach that place where they could actually change their future generations? Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably a combination of things, you know, it's like, one of the things I think is important is learning. Like I've got to, I've got to actually learn what I do want. I've got to learn some skills. I got to get some tools. I got to actually equip myself to do something different. If I want something different, I've got to learn something different. Cause unfortunately most people, yeah, we don't, we don't go like, you don't, people just don't take classes for being a better parent or they don't, sometimes they do, but not all sure. the time. And so you know, I think that's a huge part of it is like, what are some tools different that I could use differently uh, and learning from people who are doing a good job? I think that's a part of it. I think there's spiritual dynamics to it. I think, it, you know, Jesus said when he was when when uh, he said a prophet's not without honor, except in his own country. I, I think that's a powerful key. He said a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country. That was his hometown. And everyone was saying things like, isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that Joseph's son? Don't we know his brothers? Don't we know his family? And they're treating Jesus only according to what they know of him as a young man, as in in the in the natural, not in the spirit realm. They don't know. They're, you know, they're looking at him going, son of God, I don't know. You know, he's son of Joseph. We know him. And he goes, and Jesus says, that's dishonor without honor. And the next verse says, Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief, right? So you have right. you have this interesting dynamic where Jesus cannot do what he was sent to do. He's limited in what he's able to do because of dishonor, because they couldn't recognize who he was. And I know part of my journey has been, um, I, of course, my parents messed up. My parents were divorced when I was a baby. So like, I didn't have a dad for a long time. Now I'm over here like, I to learn how to be a dad. I want to be a good dad. I want to be an amazing dad and husband. Yeah. And um so I've been I've I've had to go on this journey of like, oh yeah, I don't want to just piss on my parents like you said. Yeah. I actually want to learn how to how to how to honor my parents, which mm. you know the way I would describe it is in the spirit realm, I think uh honor and dishonor are like download buttons on the computer, right? Like I can take my little mouse, I can scroll around here, I can, you know, since we're talking about like porn and stuff, you can click a button and on your screen appears all kinds of stuff, whatever you want to click. I can open all these files that are on my desktop. I, I just tap buttons and things appear and things download and things show up that weren't necessarily there before or I wasn't looking at before. I think in the spirit realm, honor and dishonor are very much like that. Huh. If I can, if I dishonor uh, my parents, then I actually download the negative stuff on their life. Yeah. You know, G Jesus also said, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. So you can honor and you can honor and download what belongs to 
a prophet. If you recognize who a person is in the spirit realm, you can download from them what they've worked for, what they've earned. But if you dishonor them, you actually limit that download from happening, download the other stuff. So my journey has been, okay, my dad wasn't there. My dad didn't tuck me in bed. My dad wasn't at my soccer games. I saw my dad once or twice a year, usually once a year. We talked on the phone here and there, but I'm this kid that just wants my dad and he's not there. And then I become a husband and a father and I'm going, dude, what, what do I do? And the Lord had to show me times where my dad actually showed me his heart, like God's heart. And I started to go, oh, yeah, I have a lot of pain. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I had a lot of, that was really rough. But my dad also showed me God in some places. And I want to pay attention to that. I want to honor that. I go, you know what? My dad actually showed me. God, when he would fly across the country, pick me up, jump back on the plane and fly me home to hang out with me. And the Lord was like, Seth, your dad actually traveled great distances just to be with you um, amongst all the other circumstances. And I was like, oh, because I was only seeing the negative. I was only seeing the bad stuff. I was only seeing not being there. And I was the whole time I'm down. I'm just clicking on that stuff all the time where then I started to go, oh, my dad actually did show me God sometimes. Like, let me click (laughs) on that. I want to I want to click on that and I want to download that in my life. So I think there's spiritual dynamics to it. You know, forgiveness is important. Actually forgiving them for what they did and what they didn't do. That's how you step into honor, paying attention to the things they did well. I think it can be good to go through our history and go, let me write out what my parents did. Let me look at it in light of like, is that how God parents us? Is that how God treats us? What is that? If I filter that through the cross of Jesus, through through Jesus coming as a man, dying, resurrecting, like if I filter all of what my parents did through that and yeah. through what he showed me of the father, then I can go, all right, this stuff I'm going to throw away, this stuff I'm going to get rid of, the yelling, maybe the spanking, depending on who you are. I'm going <laughs> to throw away some of this stuff. I'm going to get rid of this, the, the just watching the news when you come home and not really paying attention to me. All right, I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. What do I want to do? What does God do? And I think, so I think there's three kind of things that can help, you know, yes, really learning is. from other people, examining what they did and didn't do, uh, forgiving them, honoring them in that, looking for the good stuff. Because I think we want to spiritually, you know, we don't want to just do the practical. We want to do the spiritual and the practical. They're all, they all intertwine together. Yeah. So those are the things I would say kind of help us, you know, Look at that history, throw the old stuff, throw them, throw the bones out, keep the meat yeah, and, and yeah. pay attention to them, you know, celebrate what they did well so that, so that you're actually spiritually in the right place in your heart and then practically learn. I, think I love that. I, I want to ask you something about honor because I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think you always find what you're looking for. And, um, and you're right. Like if, if you're going through those lenses where you're looking for the, the shortcomings of your parents, you're going to have no problem finding that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Um, I know that for some people, the whole concept of honoring your father and mother could be triggering, um, if, if it was abused, right? Because there is obviously the pendulum can swing the other way where it's like, yeah, we cover everything up and mom and dad are amazing. Uh, you know, I was a pastor's kid. I wasn't really subject to that kind of pressure, but, um, but certainly am familiar with like the, you know, you could put the facade on in the name of honor, or I yeah. suppose you could have parents who abused it, where it was like they asked for things that were unreasonable of their kids in the name of you better honor your father and mother. Yeah. Can you can you just dive a little bit deeper and and just really clarify like what does healthy honor look like? 
Yeah. First, I just want to say, if that happened to some of you listening, that really sucks. And that is not good. And that is not honor. And that is that is really not fun. And I just think that's horrible to go. You know, usually when parents are doing that, they mean obey everything I tell you to do. You know, they'll even say stuff like right. honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. If you want it to go well with you, you better do what I tell you. And and what they mean by that is is fully obey everything I say, no matter what. And if you don't, it's dishonor. I, I don't I don't think that's true. I think my you know, I think my kids can actually disobey me and honor me in doing so. You know, if I were to ask my kids to do something that's not godly and my kids are like, um, dad, I don't want to do that. That's actually honor. They're honoring me going, calling me on it and saying, no, dad, that's not that's not cool. So I think there's a, a lot to it. I, I think honor, though, in its essence is celebrating who God made a person to be while letting go of the person that they're not and forgiving the person that they're not. And I think, you know, so true honor is to go, is to look at my parents or or our parents and go, all right, maybe you did control me. Maybe you did want strict obedience and nothing else. And that's what you used. That's what you said was honor. I think I need to be able to go, all right, I'm going to let that go and look at who you, who God has made you to be. So I need to get in touch with God and go, God, who are they really? I know they didn't live up to it. I know they didn't express it all the time. I know they didn't demonstrate that all the time, but I need you to tell me who they are because that's the person I need to look for. So there's that. But then I, you know, just back into the context of that thing where it's like, oh, honor is, what does honor actually look like in that? I think, you know, because the tendency becomes, I'll never do that. Like we talked about before, I'll never do that. And so then then the next generation of parents, the pendulum will swing the other way and the parents will say things like, well, I will never use the word honor. I'll never I'll never expect obedience. I'll never set boundaries with my kids. And so then you swing from a super controlling culture into a super chaotic culture because we remove boundaries. We remove some of that. And so I, I think as a parent, you know, I. I don't know. I, I mean, this is such a great question. I, I'm trying to think like for me as a as a dad, what does it mean to actually honor my parents? It means probably I need to say stuff when when that's happening. I actually need to go, hey, um, mom, no, I don't want you to talk to me like that. No, I'm not going to do that. As an adult, I think that's an element is is setting boundaries with our parents telling them no, uh, being honest with them about stuff. You know, I've had to be honest with my parents about some stuff, just being honest, but kind, honest yeah. and kind at the same time. And now I'm honoring them, right? right? I'm honoring them to go, hey, this wasn't, this isn't cool. We're not going to do this anymore. No, I don't want you to do that. I do love you, but I'm, I'm going to set boundaries with you. But then as a dad, I think it's important to go, you know, to go, hey, guys, kids i do i do want you to honor me but 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 i'm looking i'm just this is okay man no that's fine like how do i raise my kids to honor me like well i don't require it for one i think if i'm gonna require honor it's not true honor just like if i'm gonna force you to worship it's not real worship oh wow yeah make sure i'm doing honorable things so that my kids can look at me and go 
you're honorable. I want to honor you. I actually want to do that. And so I, I think I, as a dad now, need to own my crap. You know, if I do something and I, I pay attention to my kids, you know, there's times where I'm in the middle of a whole class with my people right now, my parenting class, and I'm I'm going like, pay attention to where you disconnect from your children, but also where your children disconnect from you. So I watch huh. really, if my kids misunderstand something I do and they disconnect from me, I go, oh, I don't know if I meant, I don't think I meant what they're receiving right now. So I need to go and clear that up with them. So I go, hey, I, I'm sorry. I think apologizing is huge. Yeah. If I want to, if I want my kids to honor me, I need to, I need to apologize. I like a genuine apology when I haven't been honorable. So like, yeah. Hey, you know what? I think, I think that it came across, like maybe I was trying to make you do that certain chore and, and interrupt you from your homework or interrupt you from your Legos. And I know it, it, it seems like it came across, like I was trying to force you. I'm so sorry. I was not trying to force you. I, I, I do need this done. Um, and so I've had to like, I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Is I got to clean up my stuff. When I haven't been honorable, I need to clean it up so that they can go, you know what, dad, I forgive you. You know yeah. what, dad, thanks for saying that. Okay. Now I understand what you're doing. So I try to pay real close attention to if they're disconnecting from me, if they're misinterpreting me, or if I've fully said something like, wow, I really was trying to control my kid there. I need yeah. to go clear that up so that I'm actually being honorable. If I'm not huh. representing God well as a father, I need to clean that up. As a husband, uh, I need to clean that up so that we're not 20 years down the road and we got our kids all going, yeah, well, my dad never apologized to me and never cleaned up his mess and just, you know, yeah. never, he just ignored that that there was stuff that was going on. Like, oh, I, I want to do that. So that's such a good point. I so, think, okay. I want to just yeah. jump on that really quick because you, you're kind of dovetailing to something I want to ask you about because you have an addiction history. Um, you know, pornography is mm. part of it, but I think uh, the bulk of it was actually more with like pretty hard drugs. And mm. I don't mind you giving maybe a little bit of, of, of context if you want to include in your answer because it would be good for people to know. But I'm curious, like, are you ever scared that you're going to – that you would pass that on? Because I, I know our clients certainly are very conscious of that. Um and I think sometimes we don't actually know what 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 do you do to make sure you don't pass this on. And I think you're actually starting to touch on it there a little bit. Um, but I guess I'm just I'm just curious. Is there is there anything that you've been really conscious of? Of like these are some things I'm going to do to to hopefully you can never fully control the outcome of your kid's life, obviously. But but to at least say like I'm going to set this my kids up for as much success as possible, and to ensure that you know it's very very low chances that they wind up in the kind of mistakes that I made. Yeah. Um. Yes, this is great. I yeah, we can't guarantee anything's and anything's gonna go perfect for sure. Yeah. Also, um, yes, I've had that fear. Yes, I've had those thoughts. Yes, I've had that of like, oh, I I don't want my kids to grow up and like get caught in porn, get caught in drugs and all that stuff. I don't I don't want that. And I do get nervous and not all the time it's but it's happened but at the same time sure. I, I so probably what i'm going to say may be it's probably going to be really helpful for some people it's also has a tendency to trigger a lot of people really bad in a in a not in a not triggering like a different kind of trigger the, <laughs> okay if, if a person is religious they're going to get really mad at me so i have a really strong belief because of the garden of eden what we read in the garden of eden where god said 
you shall not eat from that tree. And then he allows them to eat from the tree. I have this really strong conviction that that you shall not is not the same as you cannot. You shall not eat from that tree is, is not you cannot eat from the tree because God allows them to eat from the tree. God allows them to do the very thing that he does not want them to do. And so from there, I have a few things. God's not interested in control. He's interested in influence. So as a dad, I've got to go. If I try to control this, I'm probably going to create the very thing I'm trying to avoid. I want to influence my kids. I want to say, hey, I don't want you to do drugs. Hey, I don't want you to get caught in porn. Hey, I don't want you, I don't want you to do these things. However, you technically can. If when you if you want to go buy drugs, you will find them. You can find them. They're out there. They're available. Not a problem. You will, it'll, and, it, and you will find what you're looking for. Uh, if you want to go get caught in porn, you can do that. So I've, I've taken this approach that's like, and also it's because of this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, that says, uh, the strength of sin is the law. Another translation says, the law gives sin its strength. Well, what's the law? You shall not, 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 right? right. So don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Um, which I, now that I've said that out loud, I'm like, oh, in the garden, I just said, you shall not is the same, is not the same as you cannot. Right. And then you have Exodus, you have Moses going, you shall not lie, you shall not steal, you shall not. There's There's something about that whole don't do this that actually in stirs it up i don't mm. i feel like i'm a little bit like yeah like it's one thing working. to say it's one thing to say don't do this and it's a hard line it's yeah. another thing to say you shouldn't do this because it's actually bad for you yes and right? like you know yeah. go ahead and so with my kids i've literally told them i've said hey guys you know if you grow up and you want to do drugs you can no one can stop you i can't stop you but I have some questions. What are those drugs going to do? Um, what would that do to your brain? What would that do to us? How do you think that would make us feel? Not in a not in a manipulative way, in a yeah. relational way, like genuine relationship. Like, what would that do to the people you care about yeah. if you do drugs? And 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 actually, do you want to? So I've I've taken the approach of like I want to ask you questions so that I can influence your thinking, so that you can actually think through this and make decisions accordingly. Same with porn. Same with any of it. Sex before marriage. Sex with just anyone out there. Like, yeah. all right, I want to ask you some questions because technically you can do that. So I try to remove the whole like you're not allowed to actually. You're allowed to. I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you've thought through this. I don't know if you understand all the ramifications, the consequences of these decisions. So let's talk through them. Another thing I'm really careful of with them so that I'm not passing stuff on is to actually pass it on information-wise. Mm -hmm. I don't want to withhold information from my kids. So my kids totally know. They know I've had problems. We call them bad pictures, bad videos. Right? right. We don't just say like we say porn, but we we talk about bad pictures, bad videos. So 
I, they know I've had a problem with that in the past. They know I had a problem with drugs. I've told them my story. I've let them watch videos of my story. I've explained yeah. to them so that that way I'm passing on information from my life. So they understand why I don't want them to do that. Right. Why I am the way I am now. Why I think the way I think. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't want them to go, dad won't let me do all this stuff. And he never explains why. And I have no idea why. So I'm going to go figure out why. And I'm going to go learn. Right. Yeah. And so right, I, it, it kind of sparks the, like it sparks more curiosity if you don't tell them why. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and and kids like, are always going to chase their curiosity. Yeah. And now if I tell them what drugs did to me, then they're kind of looking at me like, dad, that was stupid. I'm like, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know. I didn't know that though. I didn't know that. That's why I'm telling right. you. So, you know, that, you know, like with the whole fentanyl and opioids, like I, I'm, I'm planning to have a conversation about fentanyl because I'm like, wow, a lot of that stuff coming over is not just, it is not what no. people think it is. And people no, are dropping no. dead. I'm going, Hey, this is something you want to be aware of. If, if you're going to take pills, you may want to know what's really in there before you take, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. want them to be educated. I want them to know. I want, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in if I don't give you enough information to make a good decision, then I've set you up for failure. And so I want, I, I want to give them information. I want to, it sounds weird to say it, but I think in order to not pass on my stuff, I need to pass on the story of my stuff. I need to position my kids to learn from my mistakes yeah. so they don't learn from their own because everyone's going to learn from mistakes. I right. want them to learn from my mistakes. I want them to give age I want to give them age appropriate detail, age appropriate appropriate information. And I I think at the same time too it's like I got to trust God. Like hey, yeah. I got to trust the Lord. Like Lord, you you said, yeah, the sins will be visited to the third and fourth generation. You also said that to those who love you, the blessing will be passed down. To, yes. You know, like, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm banking on your blessing. I'm blanking. Yeah. I'm banking on it. I'm depending on it. I'm, I'm declaring that over my family. I'm receiving that for my family. I'm going to, that's what I'm banking on. Not my sins. And I'm banking on the cross. You know? Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think there's something powerful spiritually when we understand what Jesus really did to us on the cross. The last thing Jesus did before he offered up his spirit was they gave him, he said, I thirst, right? And they bring right. him sour wine. Now that's from, I think it's in Jeremiah. I don't have my Bible with me, but in Jeremiah, it says, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, meaning what the fathers have done affects the kids. The fathers have eaten sour grapes. It's also saying no longer will this be true. <laughs> the fathers right. have eaten sour grapes. The children's teeth are set on edge. The last thing Jesus does on the cross, he says, I thirst. You know what they bring him? Sour wine. He drinks sour wine and then he offers up a spirit and he says, it is finished and he dies. The very final thing he does is go, give me the sour wine from what your fathers have done, from what your fathers have passed down. I will drink the sour wine from your father. So now you will be able to drink the new wine from my father. I am making an wow. exchange here and I'm going, I'm exchanging bloodlines. I'm exchanging generations. And I'm actually like, sometimes we forget that, that we have a heavenly father. Like I want to tap in to what belongs to my heavenly father and his bloodline and his generations and his history, not my, not, not my earthly 
stuff. Yeah. Earthly gender. And so I think what Jesus was doing there was going, I will drink. I will, I will let my teeth be set on edge because of what your fathers have done. My father never did that. My father never drank sour wine. My father never ate those grapes. My father never sinned. My father didn't pass anything down to me. I right. will take what your fathers passed down to you so that you can receive what my father passed down Jeez. to me and we'll That's make powerful. an exchange. And so I, I think there's that element as well that I've got to bank on. I got to put my faith there and go or receive that faith from him. Yeah. I've got to go. That's what you did. Lord, yeah. I'm banking on on receiving what on grace. I'm banking on grace. I yeah. I get what you deserve because you took what I deserve and anything else would be pride. Anything else would be false humility. It's 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 more humbling to go. I receive what you deserve because you took what I deserve. That's true humility to go. Okay, I will receive that. It's true humility to come back to your dad and he kisses you and hugs you and jumps on you and gets your robe, gets your ring, gets your sandals, and kills the fatted calf and starts a party for you and doesn't even talk to you about your sin. Interrupts right. you when you try to talk about your sin. Ignores yeah. you when you talk about your sin so he can start the party. Kill the fatted calf. Hurry up. <laughs> like, wow, it takes so much humility to come back and be a son of that father yeah. than to come back and go, make me like one of your hired servants. Make me like one of your slaves. Just let me work for you. He's like, no, I will not treat you according to what you've done. I'm only going to treat you according to who you are. You're my kid. Get back in here. Come and eat this Um fatted calf that we killed for you come and join the party and i think yeah. that's where that's where we have got to bank on as well that's is amazing, i'm man. i'm sitting underneath a different father now i'm sitting underneath yeah. a different bloodline a different generation and that's what i'm yeah yeah so good that's um that was that was worth it for that alone man that was really cool so okay i want to um I don't know if this is switching gears, but maybe we're just going a bit deeper into this. But you're you're really good on the tactical side as well. It's something I've really appreciated about your teachings, which I've had the privilege of sitting under many times now. Um, but you talk about parenting. Um, you give a lot of really good examples. And you said you said this. You had this little tagline. I don't know if you say this often, but um, but I have it in my notes from the first time I heard you speak. Um, you said it's easier to raise healthy kids than repair broken adults. And yeah. I think that really ties together a lot about what we're talking about. Um, but then you kind of use that to segue into this whole thing about discipline versus punishment. And I think this would be really good for the audience to hear. It's 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 just a needed message in general, but tons of applications for um uh, for people that are healing and that want to, you know, change their things in their lineage as well. Can you just talk a little bit about the what what you mean by the difference between discipline and punishment? Yeah. Um okay, so First John four, I think it's eighteen, says there. Per, it says perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. So from that, we need to look at that verse and go. All right, fear involves punishment, and perfect love removes that fear, removes the threat of punishment, removes that. And that's obviously the cross is the perfect demonstration of God's perfect love. It's the demonstration of God's love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? Mm. So that love removes fear of punishment. So that addresses our relationship with our heavenly father. There's no fear of punishment. Like, unless I don't believe in the cross, unless I throw the cross away, I have no fear of punishment, right? The, the, the next verse, it's either the next one or the one right before it says, uh, he who has been perfected in love, um, will have boldness 
in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So right there, it's like, oh, if we understand the cross, if we understand the love of God, we will have no fear. We will have boldness in the day of judgment, no fear of punishment. So that's removed, right? So that's that's the verse that goes, hey, let's uh, let's not punish our children, right? Then you have Hebrews 5 that says, if a child is not disciplined, he's a bastard in King James or illegitimate in other translations. So basically this is going, hey, we don't want punishment. But we also do, we want discipline. Otherwise, if we don't discipline, we invite the orphan spirit. So I've watched a lot of Christians go back and forth with this. They're like, I don't know how to discipline, so I just punish my kids like crazy. Um, right. I or, or I know I'm not supposed to punish, so I, disi- I don't discipline my kids because I'm not really sure how to do it. <laughs> and so that's where now it's like, well, if I don't discipline my kids, I invite the orphan spirit into their life. But if I punish my kids, I invite the punisher and fear and I remove love and the cross from my home. And so yeah. it's, it's this line of like, I, I actually want to, I want to discipline you. It's important to discipline you. Now I've got to learn how. To actually discipline you. I think discipline always, there's a lot to this that we could talk about, but discipline is, is, is thinking of the future, not just the past. I think punishment focuses on the past. You're going to pay for what you did. Right. And, and discipline goes, I'm going to help you learn why not to do that in the future. I'm going, I think discipline is more, I will allow you to face consequences for your choices but I'm not going to inflict them on you like a punisher would. I don't, I don't th- know if that makes total sense. Let I'll give you an example. My kid, yeah. just one simple example. My kid does not do, uh, we, we're driving home the other evening. It's late at night and he goes, oh, I got homework. I have to turn in and I try to turn it in and didn't work. And, and he's like, uh, I got to turn it in by, by, by midnight tonight. And we're like, okay. He's like, I don't know how to do it. I'm like, all right, buddy. Hey, um, we, we can, we can help you. If you want help, we can help you. As soon as we get home, if you'd like, we can jump on the computer, upload it or send an email. You know, I know you tried to upload it, didn't work. So we can email it to your teacher and you're, we can, we can help you. If you want help, we can help you. Well, then he gets home and he, doesn't ask for help. You know, we offered it a couple of times. We didn't just let him forget, but he doesn't, he doesn't turn in his homework, you know? And so punishment would go, you didn't turn in your homework. Now I'm going to discipline you. Now discipline, now I'm going to punish you. Now I'm going to give you some kind of consequence. Like, wait a second, hold on. The consequence is you just got a zero on your work. And so now I'm going to talk you through it because discipline also comes from disciple. So I'm training you. I'm training you. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. I'm helping you learn not just punishing you. So I could go in and go, well, now you're grounded. You didn't turn in your homework. Well, now you're in trouble. You didn't turn in your homework. Well, now you don't get to watch TV. You didn't turn in your homework. And I'm going, man, he's already got the consequence. He already already feels bad. So now a discipline would go, all right, buddy. Hey, did you, do you realize that we tried to offer you help and you kind of didn't receive it? Um, What are you going to do next time so that you can turn this in? If you need help, buddy, please ask us. We're available to you. We try to communicate. Maybe we didn't get that across clear, but we are available to you. If you need help, please ask us and and asking them what they're going to do. I'm like, the kid's already afraid. The kid's already got a zero. The kid's already. And so I'm like, 
I want to discipline you. I want to let you feel the weight of your consequence. I'm not going to write your teacher. The other element is like, I'm not going to write your teacher and try to get you out of it. No, I want you to feel it. <laughs> yeah. I want you to feel, I will allow you to feel the consequence for your choice, but I'm not going to inflict something else that has nothing to do with this. I'm actually going to let you feel it and I'm going to help you figure out what to do next time. Yeah. Really I good. think, I mean, that's just one example. I can give you tons and more skills and tools and stuff like that. But I think in its essence, and a lot of times too, here's what happens with parents that I've seen is, is they learn tools, better tools for discipline. You know, sometimes parents only have spanking and yelling and that's their only tools. Like, okay, those, how's that working? Probably not very well. Right. We could give you other tools, but if the heart doesn't shift as well, it's easy to use a different tool and still punish your kids with it. And so I think the difference is definitely in the heart going, oh, it's not my job to punish. If I punish, I introduce fear and I remove love. But if right. I don't discipline, I'm 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 also inviting the orphan. So I've got to go, I want to discipline you. I want to help you learn, but I'm not here to just get you to do what I want. It goes back to that honor thing of like, it's actually not my job to just force you to do what I want you to do. And if you don't, you're in trouble. No, if you don't, okay, that's your choice. Let me give you, let me allow you to face a consequence for that choice. One more example. This yes. is a powerful tool. It's called hassle time, right? So yeah, I love this. My kid, we were driving. This was the perfect, perfect time. We're driving to Legoland through Los Angeles traffic, and my son is screaming in the backseat. I don't want him to scream. I don't like it when he screams. It's not enjoyable for me. And I'm in traffic in Los Angeles trying to get to San Diego. It's really extra annoying right now. So he's yeah. yelling in the back. I say, hey, buddy, uh, yelling is a hassle. If you want to yell, that's fine. I will allow you to do what I don't want you to do. If you want to yell, that's fine, but I'm going to turn on the hassle timer and you're welcome to get as much as you want. So I'm just keeping track of how long he yells. Right. How long? Do you making... actually have a timer going? Like something on app on your... A lot of times Amazon. I'll do it. I'll just do it on my phone or I'll look at the clock and go, all right, it's 1044. Yeah. I'm just gonna pay attention. Uh, I think sometimes parents can pull out their timer and show it to their kids, like almost like the almost visual. using it to punish their... Yeah. It's like... Oh, I see probably don't want to do that. So, so I, I'll just keep track of the time somehow. Sometimes I do it on my phone, but I keep that to myself. And then I'll, I'll actually, because I'm disciplining him, I'll let him know where he's at. So I actually empower him to make a decision based on the information he has. So I'll go, Hey buddy, you're still yelling. You're at one minute. Are you sure you want to keep yelling? All right, cool. Still a hassle. Hey buddy, you're at three minutes. Hey buddy, you're at five minutes. Hey, buddy, you're at 10 minutes. My son, you're at 10 minutes. You've been yelling through traffic. Okay. You know, everything aside me is like, this is really bothering me. Like, I yeah. do not like this. However, I know what's coming. And so I let this guy, he gets 17 minutes of hassle time on the way to Legoland. And I'm going, buddy, I'm actually kind of bummed. You know, you want to deliver consequences with empathy as well. I'm like, buddy, I'm bummed right. that you 17 minutes of hassle time and you have to pay it back at Legoland. Like you're going to have to wait 17 minutes to go into Legoland. He's like, Oh man. I'm like, I know. And then so, we, so hassle time. So just to clarify for people yeah. who haven't heard of this concept before, yeah. you're measuring how long it takes that they're hassling basically. 
yeah. whatever so, it is. It could be dragging their feet or or behaving inappropriately, yeah. throwing a tantrum, yeah. whatever. And then they have to make up for that time later yeah, on. Pay me back. Yep. So like that's where and that's where like a lot of times, you know, parents will spank their kids for stuff like this. And I'm like, if you think about the natural consequence in real life, it's not physical pain. If you show up late for work because you were doing something else, no yeah, one's going to get spanked. You're not getting spanked. Yeah. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose time. You may lose some hours at your job, whatever. So I want to bring consequences that are similar to real life. So all that okay. to say, I yeah, I let them do what I don't want them to do. I keep track of it. And then I let them pay it back when it's a hassle for them. Right? So it was a hassle for me. Now it's going to be a hassle for you. A lot of times that's shows, TV, movies, uh, going... You know, if we're going to a friend's birthday party, like, hey, buddy, we can leave as soon as your hassle time is over. We can right. go, Dad, I'm going to be late. I know I was late because of this. Okay. <laughs> right. So he gets seven, He gets 17 minutes on the way to Legoland. And I say, because I'm not just trying to punish him. I'm being loving and kind. So I said, hey, if you want, you can do some of it tonight, like seven minutes tonight and 10 tomorrow. Or you can do all of it tomorrow. What do you want to do? He goes... I want to do some seven tonight, 10 tomorrow, because we're going to go swimming. I'm like, all right, cool. So we go to the pool. He's got seven minutes. He's sitting there in a chair watching us swim. And it's like, feels like an eternity. And right. finally, seven minutes is up. He dives off the chair. He's swimming around. It's great. And then the next morning we wake up I'm like, oh, buddy, we go in the back. of. We had access to the back of the park. So we go in this back entrance. I'm like, buddy, you still got 10 minutes. Do you want to sit on the bench by yourself or do you want me to sit with you? Because I'm not punishing him. I'm actually disciplining him. So I'll join you in your consequence if you want. Yeah. Um, but you know I'm I'm for you. I'm here for you. I love you. I care about you. I'm not just go sit in the bench over by yourself. That's where you can use these tools the wrong way. Right. Like, okay. Do you, want me to sit? Do you want to sit by yourself or you want me to sit with you? Like, I want you to sit with me. I'm like, all right, cool. So we sit there for 10 minutes. All the children are coming in. All the children at the front entrance. He can hear them. Coming oh in, the gosh. rides are happening, everything's happening. I mean, it feels like 20 I'm years. getting anxious just hearing you describe yeah. it. And he's just sitting there like mo the most miserable he's ever been in his life. And I'm just <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, buddy, it's like this, you know, you yelled in the car for a long time. You yelled in the car. I don't, it's not fun. And now yeah. this isn't fun for you. 10 minutes were up. We went and played. Everything was good. I'm telling you for six months. As soon as my son heard the word hassle begin to come out of my mouth, I would be like, hey, buddy, it's turning into a hat. He would run and do whatever <laughs> whatever I was asking him to do. You know, right. time to brush your teeth and get ready for bed. All right, buddy, it's a hat. He was brushing his teeth before I could even finish the work because I allowed him to face the consequence and it actually disciplined him. I think that's another thing with discipline is my heart, especially because we're talking to a lot of Christians here. You know, the Holy Spirit is not, a fruit of the Holy Spirit is not God control, it's self-control, right? So the Holy Spirit is actually trying to develop in us the ability to make decisions on our own and control ourselves, not be controlled by God, not be controlled by anyone else, but be controlled by yourself. And so in discipline, my goal is to go, how do I get you to make these decisions for yourself to make these decisions on your own, to think through what are the consequences? You know, what's the consequence if I don't yell in the back? I get to go into Legoland right away. What's the consequence if I do yell? I got to pay it back at Legoland. That's no fun. And now he is making the decisions for himself 
whether or not he's going to obey, whether or not he's going to cooperate, whether or not he's going to listen to me, whether or not he's going to come in at the right time, whether or not he's going to be quiet when instead of yell, he's the one making those decisions because now I've developed self-control in him, self-discipline in him, not just I have to tell you what to do all the time and you have to listen. I'm actually developing in you self-control, which I think a lot of parents without that mindset, punishment actually causes parents to violate what the Holy Spirit's doing in their kid's life because the Holy Spirit's going, I want you to control you. And parents are like, no, I want to control you. You have to obey everything I say. I want you to do what I tell you or you're in trouble. Where I'm going, I will let you do what I do not want you to do because I will allow you to face the natural type consequence for that action. So then you go, that was dumb. I don't like that. I don't want to do that anymore. Maybe I'll make better decisions in the future. That's That to me is the essence of discipline versus punishment is to go, I'm training you to think for yourself, not need me to do all your thinking for you. That's amazing. And obviously on the, like, as far as you have the kid's best interest in mind, but on the parent side of things as well, like I'm just picturing you in the truck, your kid's throwing a a whatever in the back, a tantrum or whatever it is. And like, that could be derailing for a parent for the rest of the day if you have the punishment mentality, right? Because you're upset, you're kind of like reacting at their level now. And and then there you go. Like you've just spent all this mental, emotional energy. It's not like you're calloused and completely disconnected from it. Like you said, like the timer's going up and you're still feeling the stress about it, but it ends up being a moment instead of, you know, being derailed for a day or for hours on end. Um, and so that's going to keep you in a position to just, you know, make better decisions as a parent. So I love that side of it as well. Uh, dude, this is so good. This is what I mean. Like when you start to get to the tactical stuff, it's just unbelievable. I think, I think your message is so necessary. And, um, where I wanted to kind of land all this was something you said, this was in the same talk. And I think it, I think it's interesting because I, and I, when I get to speak with people like you have, who have so much wisdom on parenting, um, I love asking about kind of the future casting, like, because I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't think about. And I've told you this before, like my wife and I are already thinking about how do we set up our grandkids for success, even though we don't even have our kids yet. And we're not obsessive about it, but we try to let that anchor our thinking a little bit so that we always have long-term perspective in mind. We're thinking about value systems and infrastructure and just the more systemic elements of, you know, building a family. And you said that the suicide rate in children who have good relationships with their grandparents is almost zero. And that really struck me that I I didn't know that. I had never heard that before. Um, And it made a lot of sense. And I I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about it and maybe just cast some vision for what families can look like when people really do embrace some of the concepts that we've talked about today in the podcast. Yeah, it's funny you bring that part up because I just had a conversation with a friend yesterday at lunch and he was having trouble with his parents trying to step in and and give him unsolicited advice on how to parent his kids and you know they're sure. trying to control things and 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 all this and and he's telling his parents he's going listen I just want you to to play with the kids snuggle the kids give cookies to the kids do grandparent just be grandparents don't be parents right. and let me handle this and if you have advice I'll send it to me in an email. I'll read it. I might not take it, but he's kind of setting boundaries with his parents based on a lot of the stuff we said before. But, and, and that to me is, I told him, I said, bro, that's keep doing that because kids, the reason I said kids with a good relationship with grandparents have an almost 0% chance of suicide is because 
Grandparents are where children experience the unconditional love of God because grandparents are not supposed to do the discipline. They're not supposed to do the correction. So grandparents aren't giving you the hassle timer. Grandparents aren't uh, letting you fail your homework. Grandparents are going, you know what? Come here. Let's eat cookies and I, I or I have cookies and milk. Let's turn your homework in. Come on. Let me help you get your homework in. And da, 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 da. it's like, oh, wow, you actually teach me. You give me an experience of the unconditional love of God where it's like, oh, you, you know, kids get in trouble, stuff happens, they're getting disciplined, and grandma's over there like, come here, let's go yeah. play. Here, let me snuggle you. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> so that's that's where grandparents are, are like, that's what I mean by a healthy relationship with grandparents is kids are actually experiencing unconditional love of God where someone has to bring the discipline. So that's the parents. But sure. all that to say, you know, I... What does it look like? What can it look like for this? I think if to implement a lot of this stuff, I think we have, you know, in a sense, we have families that enjoy each other, like each yeah. other. I mean, there's always going to be conflict. My sure. kids are not, my kids are not like they have sibling challenges that they are figuring out and we're helping them when they, when they request it and stuff like that. But but I think overall, it's like, oh, we actually enjoy each other. We like each other. We want to hang around each other. We want to ask for input from each other. You know, I I think a family can look like we actually enjoy being around each other versus I kind of want you to get away. You know, it's that whole like, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if that's what you were kind of asking. I'm just, yeah. I think that's what it looks like. Like I see families that it's like, man, the parents don't actually want to be with the kids. The kids don't want to be with the parents. They want nothing yeah. to do with them. I'm like, I actually want a home where my my kids are connected to me, where my yeah. kids enjoy me. I enjoy them. We like to be together. We feel connected to each other. And I think that's that's the goal of all this when it comes to grandparents, when it comes to parents, when it comes to discipline is I want to make sure everything I'm doing is protecting our connection, whether I'm apologizing to them, whether I'm disciplining them, whether I'm talking to my parents about stuff in the past, all of it works together to go, I'm actually trying to do everything from being connected, not disconnected. And everything I do, I want to be, I want connection to be present. So when I need to discipline, I'm doing it because we're connected, not trying to not just this, you know, so many times parents are disconnected from their kids and then they try to discipline and wonder why it doesn't work. It's like, ah, oh, you need to be connected. And so all of that to say is I I think it looks like a family that's connected, which means you actually most of the time enjoy each other, like each other, want to be around each other. You're not, you know, I've got a teenage daughter in full on puberty and she's got her emotions that happen. And at the yeah. same time, 95% of the time, we're very, very connected. She'll put her head on my shoulder. We'll have these great conversations. She'll hold my hand when we walk the dogs. She responds well when I ask her to do things. I'm like, oh, that's because we're actually connected. I take the time mm -hmm. to do the relational stuff to connect with her. She's super connected to her grandparents. She's super connected to her mom. And all of that to say, I, I think that's what it looks like, a family that's that's actually connected, not disconnected. Yeah. And when there's disconnection, everything becomes harder. When there's connection, everything becomes easier. Even the hard stuff, it becomes easier because 
you know, one of the ways we like to say it is if you have a tissue, if you have a tissue as your connection, if I try to pull and lead you and move you somewhere else, it's just going to rip and it's just going to make it worse. Now our relationship's totally destroyed because I pulled on something fragile. If we have cables, cables between us and I pull, you will come with me and it won't be, it won't be crazy hard. It'll be like, oh, we're actually, we're so connected. It's easy to move around. So I don't know if that fully answers. It feels kind of a vague answer to me, but like, yeah, you know, That's that whole very thing, helpful. The, the grandparent conversation too, it's connection, 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 relationship. That's where, that's where I think that's where a lot of us have a lot of pain from the past is like, we had a whole generation that didn't do good at relationship. They did really good at right, right. and wrong, really good at do, do what's right. Don't do what's wrong. Do what I tell you, not what I don't listen to me, just do that. And there's a, not a lot of like relationship in it and now we've had a whole now if i look at everything i'm like wow we got a whole generation that's learning emotional health and at the same time forgetting some really important stuff as well so it's like you know kind of the picture i use is incredible hulk right especially with masculinity most of your audience is men I, i think for a long time you either had hulk was either the the scientist, you know, Bruce Banner, the scientist, totally calm, everything's good, protect, you know, but as soon as he loses it, man, he turns into the Hulk and he just smashes everything. He's smashing every single thing in his path, even if it's his people he loves. He, he can't stop it, right? But yeah. then in Endgame, he merged, somehow he merges the two and he's incredibly powerful. He can smash anything he wants all the time because he's huge and he's green, but he has the face of Bruce Banner. So he can be totally calm. And now he's got it under control. And I think that to me is the picture that we're going for is we had a whole generation that was like no connection, no relationship, just do what we say, right and wrong only, right? And then you have the pendulum swing is like emotional health, emotional intelligence, emotions, emotions, emotions. And we forget that there's still some kind of stuff that, that is actually true about this yeah there's truth in it it's not the full truth but there's truth in it there's also truth in this but if we forget some of these i think the secret is to merge these two and not let the pendulum just swing back and forth but go we got to get back on track here and so all that to say is 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 everything we're talking about i think it's like how do we how do we bring in the connection the relationship and still have the truth grace and truth i don't know i am totally rambling now to try to answer this but but all of it is is we want to do relationship well and relationship includes discipline but but discipline needs to include relationship or it's it's not good either and it all looks like a family that's actually connected and and is good to be around each other and and wants to be around each other and and is connected that's the only word i have for it really Dude, no, that's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So Seth, I know people are going to want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing. Um, You have so many resources, you have books, and you have courses. And I know you were working on building an app the last time we hung out. Um, What would be what would be the best way for people to, to get in touch if they want to find out more? Probably the easiest way is there's a book on Amazon I just wrote recently called Designing God's Dream Home. It's only on Amazon. Uh, you just get it. You can get the Kindle version. You can get the paperback if you want. It's a short book, and it's it's 31 chapters that have um, beliefs, 
consequences of those beliefs and then activations to help you implement it into your life. So super user-friendly, super easy. That also comes with a three-day masterclass that we're going to be doing again in January. So that's coming really soon. Cool. And so that would be the easiest place to get to. Uh, my website, sethdahl.com, is really easy as well to find the rest of my books. I got a book called Raising Spirit-Led Kids. I got a book called Win-Win Parenting. We have a book for kids called God is Really Good. But cool. on there as well, it can lead you to the app, the network that is called Spirit-Led Families. And in there, I have Spirit-Led Parents, Spirit-Led Kids. I have all kinds of resources within there, but you can get to there all from sethdahl.com or go on Instagram is where I like to be more than other social medias, Instagram. So just yeah, yeah. my name, Seth Dahl on Instagram. That's that's amazing and great timing for that master class because I think this is gonna this you might be the first interview of 2023 for oh, our show so that'll come out right when um that stuff's ramping up so we'll put links to all that in the show notes but man uh just always appreciate our time together Seth thanks so much for hanging out with us today yeah same here thanks for having me okay well there you have it that was my interview with Seth Dahl oh what a legend I learned from him every single time and I hope you did too I really want to recommend you guys go to his website and he, he just has so many resources and he makes them so affordable. It kind of blows my mind just how generous he is. So we put we put a link in the show notes there. And then like he mentioned, he's got a new book. You can get the masterclass. That should be a no-brainer. Hopefully you saw the like the value of what this guy provides. You're going to learn immensely from him. And so um, I highly recommend you go get your hands on that stuff. And maybe while you're listening to that uh, interview, you realized it is time for you to finally get free. You don't want to struggle another day. Well, guess what? I don't want you to struggle another day either. And so um, it's a new year and it's time to start the year right. Like why waste another minute like tampering with this thing, wondering if maybe you're going to, you know, uh, this is going to be the year that you get free. Why not just be absolutely certain that you are going to not only start the year free, but end it free as well. Uh, the easiest way for you to do that is to book a time in my calendar so we can sit down. I can understand your situation better and we can see if we can help you. And if we can, then 2023 could look very, very different than 2022 did for you. And I would love to be a part of that process. So link is in the show notes. You can book a time there. Uh, without further ado, guys, much love. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. 
The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.